0: Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Easter Sunday morning, the commemoration of your resurrection. And Lord, we're so thankful that we do serve a living Savior, one that is alive and ever intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. We ask you to bless this service in each and every way that we may lift up your precious name and glorify your Son today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Twelve and under to the Children's Church. The rest of us, let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be moving through the Scriptures some this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, so limber your fingers, I guess we might say. Get them all ready to move through the Scriptures this is traditionally the Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, but I would like to just make a statement here. We do that every Sunday at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I don't know that, uh, we have not uh, had had a meeting of any kind that we do not mention the fact that Jesus is resurrected, our risen Savior. That is the center of all history. It is the one Thing that makes the Bible different than all other religions. Uh, you go to, you pick your religion, and they have tombs or a, a tomb. Uh, there's there's a place where Buddha, the original Buddha, is supposed to be buried, and uh, our tomb of our Savior, the God we worship, is empty. Amen. And we look here in Hebrews chapter two. And we're going to skip down to verse 9 and just get an idea here. It says, as the writer of Hebrews is explaining, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we investigate your word this morning, We come before you asking that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to intercede in each heart here today. And Lord, we thank you for the worship that we were able to engage in, in the singing of hymns, and Lord, the, the special music, we praise the Lord for that. But Lord, the truest and most biblical forms of worship is a changed life. And Lord, we ask that you would work in each heart here today. We pray for those that are unsaved, that may be among us, that today would be the day that they would trust Jesus. And Lord, others that are saved would sur- submit to scriptural baptism and church membership. And Lord, that we could just see your hand, that our worship would be in truth and in deed. And it would, excuse me, and it would affect the way we live through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as the writer of Hebrews is speaking here, he says, but we see Jesus. And of course, we do not see Jesus. Some of you may remember uh, years ago, I think it was uh, Oral Roberts claimed to see a 900-foot Jesus and. And uh, at that time, we were raising money for the building, and I I figured it out. We only needed about a 300-foot Jesus to pay for our building, amen? But praise the Lord, we didn't need to see Jesus. God's people and God's churches did it God's way, not some hokey-pokey Hollywood kind of mess, amen? You see, if you're going to see Jesus, it's going to be through the eyes of faith, amen? And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, I'd kind of like to expand the scope. And I'd like you to start with uh, Luke chapter 2, if you would. Luke chapter 2 and we're not going to cover every passage but just a few that will uh hopefully bring uh, an idea together here this an understanding that we must see Jesus for who he is we must understand who Jesus is there are so many misconceptions uh Jesus himself said there's going to be many false christ and many people will Believe in those false Christ. We're here today to worship the one and only, the true Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And so as we look at Luke chapter 2, let's just read verse 15 here. It says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Now, how many of you remember what the saying was? The angels were the ones that gave the the shepherds the sayings. Go back to verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I think the uh, lilies are getting to me here. But uh, the price of Easter, amen? The shepherds saw the Savior. Have you ever... Try to put yourself in the mind and the sight of the shepherds. What were they looking at? A baby. Just hours old. How many of you have ever seen a newborn baby? I like to call them little beings from inner space. Uh, Because they certainly do not look human when they're born. Uh, it takes a couple of days, uh, depending on the child, couple of weeks. Some never get over it. But uh, there's just uh Are we allowed to have fun on Sunday morning? I hope and pray we are. Because it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Amen? But as the shepherds looked into that place where they stored the food for the cows, they saw a little baby wrapped in rags. And they made known abroad the same. They did not see a baby. They saw the Savior. Do you remember when you finally saw the Savior? When you finally got to the point to where you could see your own sin and understood that you needed to be saved? And that there is only one Savior in the history of mankind, that can save us from our sins. And that was the little babe of Bethlehem. But he didn't stay a baby, amen? He grew up. And he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. But I'll tell you, I meet so many people, they can't see the fact that they need a Savior. They can't see that Jesus is the only one who can save. The only way you can see those things is through the words of this book called the Bible. Letting it have its work. Trusting what the Bible says about you instead of trying to manipulate the Bible to say what you think it ought to say. Can we say amen to that? And these shepherds just simply believed. And so as they looked upon that baby, they said, this is the Savior. It it says in our King James Bible, a Savior, but then it goes on to say, which is Christ the Lord. There is only one Christ. That's the definition. The anointed, the anointed one. The chosen. Uh, The Hebrew word is the Messiah. And when you hear someone talking about the anointed one, You better tune in really tight because I'll tell you, uh, every guru in the Hindu religion of which there's as many gurus as there are gods and start thinking about that, that'll blow your mind. They all claim to be the anointed one. That's who the Beatles were singing to. Hare Krishna. Does that sound remotely? Well, that's the Hindi for Christ. It's a blasphemy. There is only one. And those shepherds saw him lying in a manger. And they believed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And of course, uh, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that this is the story of the wise men. And they saw him. And let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, And when they were come into the house, not the manger, they saw the young child, not the baby, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. There's a lot of traditions in English culture and that's one of the reasons we're Americans. Amen? Is because they believed in this thing called the divine right of kings. That there are just certain people that are better than all of the rest. I, I like what my mama used to teach me. She said, listen, we're all made out of the same mud. Isn't that true? I mean, there's... There's not anyone that is different. And yet, in in England, in certain instances, you are supposed to address uh, a Lord as your worship. Now, I'll tell you what, if I'm in England, I'm not addressing anybody as your worship. Because there's only one God that we worship. But think of these wise men. And remember... There were enough of them to set the entire city of Jerusalem on an uproar and be granted an immediate audience with the king. Uh, There weren't just three guys and three camels, and they weren't from all different places. They were all from the same place in the east. And they had come, and they were looking for the king of Israel because they had come to worship him. We call this a worship service, do we not? Now, there's a reason why you didn't hear any applause. And this is just a personal thing. This is just our church. If it was great entertainment, I believe in clapping. But if it's worship, the biblical response is, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you know, we need to be careful about worship. This is where the devil has destroyed many, many congregations. Not because the devil was more powerful than they were, but because they surrendered their worship to the devil, to the world. There, there is nothing out there that's going to help you understand or see the God of this book called the Bible. Can we say amen to that? I, I do not need the world to help me understand Jesus. I need the Bible to help me understand Jesus. If I want to see Him, I must read the pages of this book. And to know who Jesus is demands, demands worship. What is worship? Worship is trying to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop and think about it. If we're going to lift up the name of God, if we're going to lift up Jesus, the Son of God, doesn't that sound like that might just be a little above my pay grade, a little above my strength level? Uh, I love to think about it in this way. How many of you have ever had to move something that was really, really heavy? Uh, I think about the heaviest thing I ever had to carry was a four-speed transmission out of a one-ton pickup truck. It just needed to be moved from one table to the other. So, I, and I said, "Ah, oh, I'm not going to get out the chain lift and all of that messer. I'm just going to pick it up." And so I get under it and I start going, "Oh, wow, this is a lot heavier." And then I picked it up off the table, and all of that weight just started going. I, I mean, I could feel every joint in my body responding. To the amount of weight that I had put on myself. When is the last time you grappled enough with the goodness and greatness of God that you could feel it pressing you down? Now we're not emotionalists here. We're not looking for some type of experience but I do want you to understand that if you really grab a hold of who God is, it's going to push you down. The word worship means to get on your face, to fall on your face, to kneel. These wise men, who were not Jewish in heritage as far as we understand, had traveled and had spent the last two years looking. at The star had uh, disappeared and so... They knew it had something to do with the Jewish king. And so they thought, well, we'll just check in Jerusalem, the capital of the Jews. Somebody will know. Wrong. That that was the last place that knew. They did give them direction. Go to Bethlehem. And so as they traveled to Bethlehem, they saw the star again. And they came in and when they looked on that little boy... Now, by the way, it doesn't say that they worshipped them. It says they worshipped him. That's important, my friend. Only God deserves our worship. He is the king. If we will look and understand that Jesus is the Savior... I am here today and we do what we do because there is only one God in all the history of mankind, in all the universe. Everybody talks about all their gods and I'll tell you what, you don't have to be in heaven to be God here in New York City. I mean, how many gods do we have in New York City? How many people have sold their souls so they could just stand on a Broadway stage and wave at the people? And have their entire life destroyed by the wickedness of that organization and that mess. How many have sold their souls so they could get that little tag that allows them to stand on the stock market floor and scream and act like a crazy person as the numbers go up and down and... Someone said, if you can't lose a million dollars and smile about it, you don't belong here. Done. I don't belong there. That's not a problem. Uh, I'd much rather take the little bit that God's given me. You see, worship involves giving too now, doesn't it? You're giving of your time to be here. I praise the Lord as I look out over our audience. Everybody took some time to prepare themselves for church. That's that's a good thing. That is positive. It helps us worship God without distraction. Amen. The wise men saw him as the king of Israel. They worshipped him. They presented their gifts to him. Their treasures. You know, God is interested in one thing. He wants our soul first. If He has your heart, the rest of it falls in line, does it not? Let's turn to John chapter 9. We're talking about seeing Christ, and certainly the man in John chapter 9 had a very Uh, great impediment to seeing Christ. He was born blind, the Bible tells us. And, And Jesus stopped and he healed him. And of course, if you remember the rest of the story there, he was questioned by the scribes and the Pharisees. And finally, he was thrown out of the synagogue because he would not bow the knee to the Pharisees and deny Christ. He said, I don't know where he came from. I don't know who he is. But nobody but God has opened the eyes of the blind, of one that was born blind. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Jesus is speaking to the blind man, dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Now, that's a pretty good, simple statement, isn't it? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. You know, in a minute we're going to pick up here and keep going because we're talking about seeing Jesus. You must see him as the Savior. Messiah must see Him as the Lord, worthy of our worship. But if you worship God the Bible way, there are some things that are going to happen. Amen? And let's read the rest of this here, picking up in verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind." And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are, are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. How many of you that got saved, all oh, let's say, after age 20, can remember looking at life one way and after getting saved, everything changed. Could you just hold up a hand give a testimony to that all over the auditorium? You see, real worship is going to allow me to see the difference between what is true and what is false. And that sight does not rest in me. Well this is one of the reasons. I mean my blood boils at all of the foolishness that is out there that calls itself Christian sometimes. I mean, the Calvinist, uh, just unbelievable. It, Calvinism is exactly what you would expect a medieval lawyer to do to the Word of God. It's perfectly reasonable. And it makes sense to everyone but the God who gave it. Because it's not God. Calvinism is human reasoning. And it defines the Bible down to a point to where God is now responsible for sin. That's not my God. That's not the God of the Bible. It's a God that was invented to make sense. To a medieval lawyer. And a lot of people bought into it because it offers intellectualism. Oh, I just want to be, I, I mean, I've heard people say this, I, I'm not going to be just another one of you simple country preachers. I'm going to be the smartest man in the room. Well, have at it. But, if you've noticed politics here of late since that smartest man in the room started appearing here a couple of administrations ago, they have done some of the dumbest things in all of American history. Would you agree with me on that i i mean how How foolish do you have to be to try to spend your way out of debt? I mean, that was a real classic, wasn't it? You see. These people think they have all the answers, like the little girl I met on the street trying to protect the environment. The environment doesn't need protecting. It has a creator who made it so resilient that even man at his worst cannot destroy it. You see, we need to see that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 19. Don't worry, we only got about 10 more of these. No, not quite. Luke chapter 19. I love this story because of the way it's worded in our Bible, the richness of the text. Look at verse 3. This is the story of Zacchaeus. And it says here about Zacchaeus, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now, we understand that Zacchaeus was a chief of the publicans. He was very rich. He was what we would call today a traitor to his own people, a sellout to Rome. He collected the money. He was also, admittedly, in a few verses here, he's going to say, listen, if I've taken anything wrongly from any man, I repay him fourfold. You know what he just said? I was a thief before I met Jesus. But now that I've seen Jesus, I'm not going to be a thief anymore. You know, that's one of the great lies of the new Christianity. Is that you can have Jesus and everything you want. Let, let me tell you, you can't have Jesus in what you want. If you want Jesus, you must accept what he wants. You must let him rewrite your Life. You know what Zacchaeus saw? He saw a man who loved sinners. And he saw a place where he could get forgiveness. Not only just a simple statement, but he could get a clean conscience between him and God. He could stand in confidence toward the most holy God, the only true God, knowing that, It was not the righteousness which Zacchaeus so greatly lacked that God was looking at. It was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I love the way my preacher Roy Thompson put it. He said, he knows everything about me, but he still loves me. Does that Christ not deserve our worship and our singing and our giving? And are serving in His church. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 27 if you would. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to skip down to verse 35. It says, and they crucified him. This is talking about the Roman soldiers. And parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them. And upon my vesture did they cast lots. Now look at verse 36. The beauty and the simplicity of our Bible. And sitting down, they watched him there. Can you imagine that? These Roman soldiers, they were so youth used to death and destruction and torture and pain that they nailed these three men to three crosses and then just sat down on the grass and played a game of dice and when it was all done they said well let's watch the show here this was not some television creation this was real blood and pain And this great specter of death would claim all three lives before the end of that day. And it was these men's job to watch them die. But skip down with me, if you would, to verse 54. Now, when the centurion... What's that next phrase there? Read it out loud with me. And... They that were with him. Uh, This wasn't just the centurion here. It says, And they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things which were done. They feared greatly, saying, Truly this... What's that next word? Was the Son of God. You see... This is one of the reasons we know that our Bible is so correct and without error. Because if somebody had been rewriting this after the event, they would have said, truly, this is the Son of God. Because Jesus is always present tense, is he not? But these were Roman soldiers. They did not believe. And so as Jesus died on the cross, they said, it's over, finished. Truly, he he was different than any other man. Truly, he was the Son of God. But aren't you glad we can say today, truly, he is the Son of God. And let me ask you if a Roman soldier could see it. Why can't we? There's only one reason. Because we don't want to. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is the famous story of doubting Thomas. And we start in verse 26. It says, After eight days again the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Aren't you glad that verse is in the Bible? You see, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, but the disciples, when Jesus first appeared to them as a group, Thomas wasn't there. This is one of the reasons we're not giving up Sunday night services, because the first church services were on Sunday night, Jesus appeared to the disciples on Resurrection Sunday in the evening as a group. And then the next Sunday night, he appeared to them the second time. And Thomas had to see, to believe. Now, I I want to first say, I'm glad that God is patient with me and with all humanity. And the God is gracious and he puts up with our faithlessness. How many times did Jesus say, Oh, faithless, talking to his disciples, Oh, ye of little faith. And here he calls Thomas on the spot. And he said, I don't want you to be faithless anymore. I want you to be believing. Can I ask you a question? How many of us have faced something this past week Where our faith failed. say, well, I'm not sure about... Did you sin? Well, if you did, that is a failure of faith, is it not? We do not sin because of God. We sin because of us. And Jesus died to keep us from our sin. To pay the price for our sins. The problem is... We just don't see. We're not looking at the right things. We're more concerned over fill in the blank, private and personal pain. Uh, where, Where is everything that what you know what what really runs your life? Could we stop this morning on Resurrection Sunday morning and just say, Hey, wait a minute. What ought to run my life is the Savior. The King. The One who opens blind eyes. The One who forgives all my sin. The Son of God. The One who is patient enough to come to Thomas and specifically call him out and say, but be not Faithless, but believing. One more. Revelation chapter one. Would you turn there with me? Revelation chapter one. We're going to start reading. In verse 10, John had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. As far as we know, there was no one living there. He was there for the testimony of the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest... Write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paths with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. John saw the glorified Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound. Amen? The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds, ever to be with the Lord. But these are written here for us for a reason. When we get discouraged, when we get worn out, We need to take a few minutes and through the eyes of faith look on the glorified Lord, the returning Savior, the the one who will take us from this existence. It tells us here that he's made us kings and priests. But isn't it interesting as John was there, Jesus walks up behind him and starts speaking and And our Bible says that John turned to see the voice, and what was the first thing he saw? Was it Christ? It was the seven candlesticks, wasn't it? How many of you know what the mystery of the candlesticks is? Those are his churches. I'm not going to argue with someone who believes this, but I I do not believe the seven churches of Asia are prophetic ages of churches. I believe that they were seven literal churches that existed in that day, and that if we're not careful, we can end up being a Laodicean church. If we're not careful, we can end up being a dead church. Jezebel's knocking at the door. She wants in to teach. And many churches have failed. But, behold, I have set before thee an open door. That's why our church is called Open Door Bible Baptist. Somebody said, oh, your church is called Open Door, so anybody can come in and do anything they want. Wrong. Our church is called Open Door Bible Baptist because Jesus opened the doors. And if you come in, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He's going to change everything about your life. And you will benefit. But He's not changing you for you. Thursday night, we went through the 23rd Psalm, didn't we? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For His namesake if somebody's going to get saved it's the job of the church to take the gospel across the street and to the uttermost part but it's got to be as the Holy Spirit comes upon us it's got to be at his direction and his empowerment this morning I want to ask you How well do you see Jesus? Have you seen Him as the Savior? Have you trusted Jesus? Have you reverenced Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Has your worship relationship with God opened your eyes to see all the lies that are in the world and the truth that is in His Word? I love Zacchaeus. He wanted to see Jesus, who he is, who he was. Climbed up into the tree. I I just have so many wonderful pictures created in my mind uh, of this rich, powerful man hanging by a tree branch trying to look. And Jesus comes and looks right up into his eyes and scares the living daylights out of that poor little man. says, I'm coming to your house today for lunch. And you could just see Zacchaeus melt all the way through. He he loves me. He's willing to forgive my sins. Oh, let's never get over our salvation, Amen. But let us not forget the words of the Roman centurion and the Roman soldiers. This is not the easy way to worship. This is not the easy way to have church. We're not just going to entertain you here and make you feel good about something you never did. We ask for participation because that's God's way. We ask for you to let God change your life because your house ought to look different if Jesus is living there. Amen. Could we take warning from Thomas? Don't, don't make Jesus drag you along. You know, that didn't turn out. Uh, I mean, how many, we're two, almost two thousand years later, and all I have to do is say doubting, and everybody says Thomas. Now, how'd you like to be Thomas? Now, I'm still glad Thomas is gonna be in heaven and he was one of the apostles and he did a great job serving the Lord after he got this problem straightened out. So the question is, what's your excuse? Let, let's, let let's get it straightened out. Amen? By the way, I've got good news to report. We had a hundred percent vote on the, uh, new constitution and bylaws and, and, uh, everybody but one member who is, uh, having Uh, family issues his his invalid wife has to be taken care of and can't be left alone everybody was there voted positively and that was a great answer to prayer, Community Baptist Church in fact one of the men came up and he says I told everybody we can't move forward until we get this straightened out and I'm going I've heard that somewhere before I've been preaching at every service I've been there for the last several months and praise the Lord we moved through you know what? We got it straightened out. But let's never, ever forget that resurrected Lord, that glorified Christ, is coming back. He's going to rule over this world. Let's never forget to see Him through the eyes of John and understand His greatness his goodness, the Lord of the churches. If we're going to be about our Father's business, we better be serving Him in church. And all God's people say. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord just ask that this morning we would take a new and a closer look at Jesus. And Lord, we pray that if there be one here today that has yet to settle the issue of their eternity, they're not sure where they would go if they were to die today, that, Lord, that one would not leave this building until they've allowed someone to open up a Bible and show them what the Bible says. We pray for others that need to follow you in baptism membership, that today would be the day that they would surrender to you. Lord, We ask that our worship would be real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.